0: Thank you for joining us. For your encouragement, we bring to you this biblical sermon from Dr. Charlie Dates. preached at the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago. We hope that it leaves you refreshed and inspired. If you're ever in Chicago on a Sunday, we'd love to have you in worship with us. Join now, this message already in progress. If you got your Bibles, will you please meet me in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. This morning, we're going to be working from verse 6 to verse 10. When you're there, you can indicate that you're there by standing. If you're still looking, say, still looking. Ain't nobody mad. Acts chapter 16. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible in case it reads a little different from yours. This is what it says. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. And they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, he immediately made efforts to set out to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I want to speak to you briefly this morning from the subject, moving forward from a closed door. Moving forward from a closed door. You may be seated as we lift our hearts to Jesus. Lord, here we are. We are sitting here in your presence. And I thank you, Lord, that you're here. Lord, we have sung to you. We have prayed to you. And God, now we're here to hear from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you speak to us. Speak indeed. I pray, Lord, as I've done the best I can to take this meal that I've prepared for your people I pray God that you would take it where I can't take it Holy Ghost will you speak to people folks have come from different places with different issues and different problems and different questions I pray Holy Spirit that you would meet people as they need to be met and I pray God that you would hide me behind the cross of Jesus my hope in my heart Lord is that you'd be seen And now, God, give me help, give me grace, give me power that makes preaching easy. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, let those things be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. It's in Jesus' mighty and matchless name we all say amen, amen, amen moving forward from a closed door whether you like him or you love him many of us have to admit this reality that Jay-Z is one of the best rappers I know I might make some people mad by saying it but this is my opinion and my opinion only But one of the things that impresses me most about him is not his lyrical ability. It is the reality that he was a product of the 1980s crack era in Brooklyn. And then before he was discovered, he was killing it so much rapping that he was rapping even with the known rapper of his day. He stood up and he beat LL Cool J and DMX in rap battles. It looked for a moment like his entry into the rap game was fully certain, But there was only one problem. Nobody would sign him. Although he was able to write a song without ever putting a pen to a piece of paper, he says, I went to every single record label, and they were like, this guy is terrible. Nobody would sign him. It was a closed door that stood in Jay-Z's face that forced him verge to a different direction. This is when he would sit down and begin to create Rockefeller Records, and he would later drop Reasonable Doubt, and he would go on to sell 36 million records to this date. All of this happened because he moved forward from a closed door. Life, friends, is complex. It is not as linear as we'd like to make it seem. It is like a winding hallway filled with doors that are always opening, doors that are closing, and doors that will never open again. You know those closed doors. These are the ones when you try and you try and your trying leads you to failure. These are the ones where when it seems like it's going well, it quickly, drastically takes a turn to an end. These are doors when you are exposed Expecting things to happen the way you planned them, the way you prayed for them to happen. And then it looks like they're about to happen, but you find yourself disappointed by the results of that closed door. We live in a broken and a fallen world that is filled with doors that sometimes open and doors that slam shut in our face. And the question that I pose to you this morning, progressive, is how do you move forward when God allows a door to be closed? That's precisely what you see when you when you dive into this text. Paul and his band were now making moves and they ran up against a closed door, several to be exact. They were traveling around strengthening the churches that they had preached in and it seemed like all the momentum was behind them only to come to a place where they were stopped, not by themselves, but they were stopped by God's hand. This text raises a question and it answers it too. How do you make sense of a closed door in your life? Many of us, when we find closed doors, we become frustrated. We get mad at God. We turn away from the Lord. We stop going to church. We feel like it's no point in praying. We, we turn ourselves away from him. But the question I want to put before you to consider for a few moments today is when God closes a door, how do you move forward from it? There are doors that close in life because of our bad choices. There are doors that close in life because we chose to close doors. But life is not a game that is played with God on the sidelines. We serve a God who is deeply involved in the affairs of our lives, and God sometimes is the one who closes doors in our face. I want to tell you, friends, these are what we call divine closed doors. There you see it. Paul and his team, they are standing at one. Their plan was stopped in a very interesting way. They were permitted to pass through places, but God would not allow them to speak. In Phrygia and in Galatia, they saw many opportunities in the marketplaces and in other spaces to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to actually obey the call that God had given them in chapter 1, verse 8, to be a witness in the world through the power of the Holy Ghost. And every time they got ready to open their mouth, God told them to shut up. God God let them pass through, but God would not let them speak. Sometimes there are seasons in your life that are passing seasons. They are not spaces for you to stay, places for you to set root. They're merely places for you simply to move through. God will let you pass, but not stay. Watch it now. They're coming to it, but they ain't entering. They come to Bithynia, and they are making a track to Asia. In Paul's mind, he says, if we can just get there, we can take the gospel to the farthest reaches it is gone. And God tells them, no, don't enter it. The text tells us that the Holy Ghost forbade them, that the spirit of Jesus would not permit them. They were simply following the call of God, but God was blocking them from doing what they knew to do. Scholars are right to suggest that when you look at this text, you can almost sense the frustration that is written in Luke's words as they are going from place to place, only to see God tell them, no, keep it real, friends, closed doors are perplexing, they are disorienting, they are confusing, they are frustrating, but it's even worse when God closes the door. Here it is, you were moving and progressing and experiencing success, and suddenly God slammed the doors all the signs seem to be pointing in the right direction and suddenly you are landed at a closed door it happened when that relationship ended it happened when that season was forced to a close it happened when that transition was thrown upon you or the job was taken from you red flags became reality closed doors if we're honest progressive create deep frustration and you ain't weak in your faith if you ever come to a closed door and you don't begin to ask God questions. But here's what you need to know about divinely closed doors. We must accept and trust that God brings us to closed doors for his own reasons. It happened to me, Jamal, in Dallas. It was the slamming of a door down the hall in my hotel that jolted me from my sleep. I looked over and realized that I never set my alarm the night before. I had a flight I had to catch in less than an hour, and there you go. I looked up and realized that I had no time to do all the things I thought I would do, so I rushed out of bed and threw the clothes I had on yesterday. Some kind of way through some stroke of imagination, I was able to brush my teeth while at the same time packing my bags, ran down the stairs into the car, got caught in traffic. Finally, I arrived at Dallas Love Field only to find no love there. (laughs) I stood there and said, TSA pre-check is certainly going to grant me entrance because the Lord is on my side. But that day out of all the days, Chris, TSA decides to check my bags. I'm telling the guard, man, I got a flight to catch. And he says, don't worry, they're going to wait for you. As he's going through my bags, he's taking my clothes out, patting me down. I ain't got nothing on me. I can see the time ticking away. Finally, I zipped my bag, grabbed my things, and rushed. And just in time to get to the gate, I saw a second door slam, but this time it was right in my face. The man stands there with an attitude, a smug look on his face as he closes that door on the jetway. And no matter how much I begged him, he would not open that door. That's because the guy knew something I didn't know. He knew that that closed door meant it was a closed flight, and to open that door meant that the paperwork that was used to close the flight would have to be redone, and the weight and the balance of the plane would have to be recalculated and then double-checked, and that would make the flight late, and then the flight would impact connecting flights, and it would impact other flight plans. This man knew something about the closed door that I did not know. In a greater, higher, holier, and a grander way, don't you sleep on God. Don't you let your frustrations at a closed door make you think that God done lost his understanding about your life. God ain't never had to ask for your advice. His thoughts are never your thoughts, and his ways are never your ways. The God who is all wise knows your life. Even when the doors close, he knows what you don't know. And there's some of you in the room who can look back in 2020 hindsight vision, and you can see that if he had not closed that door, I'd have been hurt. I might not have survived it. I'd have been messed up. I, I would have been broken beyond repair. But God knows things that you don't know when he closes a door in your face. Some of y'all know that if God had not broken that relationship up, you'd have been the fool that he cheated on. You'd have been the mess that he stepped on. But God knows what you don't know when he closes a door but watch it while he closes said door he also has your life in his hands he knows the plans he has for you and your steps are ordered by his genius mind you don't have to stay stuck in frustration at a closed door why because the God who closes it is a good God who closes it while divinely closed doors are hard. They ain't random, and they are not done with ill intent. God often uses them to grant us something. Sometimes God puts us in this holding pattern, this season that doesn't seem to come to an end, because he's trying to catch your attention to grant you divine instructions after he closes the door. You see it in verses 8 to 10. We we are told... That they journey east, their journey east was completely stopped by God. What is fascinating, Esau, is that God never tells them why. You do understand that God don't always owe you an explanation. That 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 sometimes God has the idea to stop you, and he ain't gonna tell you why. You, you can kick and scream till the cows come home. He, he will end that season and just leave you there. Not by yourself, but he'll leave you there for something. Now, now note it they, they are in a perplexed, perplexed place. They are led, as commentators would say, through the wild backwood country of Mycia over to the coast of Trias. Trias seems insignificant to you. But Trias is their place of perplexity, but it is the place of God's clarity. Sometimes God drops us into troasses in our lives. These are times when no matter how much we look for the next job, God ain't letting nobody bite. These are times, no matter how much we fast and we pray, that season just ain't changing. These are the times where when you are tired of being lonely by yourself, your singleness ain't came to an end. Troasis, paces of perplexity, but if you lean closer, they can be places of God's clarity. Watch it. Paul falls asleep, and while he is asleep, Paul has a vision, and it is in that vision that a man from Macedonia is standing and he says, come here. God got some strange ways of speaking. Many of us dull our spiritual ears because we too smart to believe he talks. And so we lean to the words of our friends who are like the blind leading the blind when if indeed you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been given a gift called the Holy Ghost. Come on, Baptist Church, where he gives you the spirit of the living God to lead you and to guide you into all truth. And God does speak in those perplexing places. This is what you see. God begins to give him a vision, a dream to come to Macedonia. This city where Alexander the Great had established would now be the game changer for his ministry. This would be the first time that the gospel would ever step onto the continent of Europe. While they are sitting there confused, God is pointing them a different direction from their closed doors. Why? Because closed doors are never easy But they are never arbitrary. God always uses closed doors to advance his causes. He closed Sarah's womb that he might open her heart to his power. He closed the Egyptian palace doors behind Moses that he may send him back to liberate his people. He expelled Daniel and his people from Jerusalem that Daniel may have a word for the empire of Babylon. And yes, even Jesus. Jesus understood the challenges of a closed door in the garden when he prayed that the door Would be open to a different path. God said no to Jesus that God might open a door to you. You serve a God who orders your steps in such a way that when He closes doors, He gives divine instruction while you wait on Him. Keep it 100 though, waiting is hard, waiting don't feel good, waiting is a difficult thing, but I need you for just two moments to lean into the Lord for a minute, to wait upon him because while you wait in this perplexing season, God will give you divine instructions on how to proceed. I thought about aircraft's holding patterns Those who fly planes know that there are different holding patterns, and oftentimes they are done for different reasons. But it is mainly a way for the air traffic control to delay an aircraft from proceeding on its predetermined course. The ATC tells the plane to wait, not stay, but to wait, to to hold on until they provide the pilot with further instructions on how they ought to land. God is trying to tell some of you this morning, that while you sit in your troas of life, this is not your time to cop a fit with God. This is not your time to turn your fist at the Lord. This is not your time to try to put the pieces together and work the thing out for yourself. This is a time for you to wait and to lean in into God's holding pattern because when he closes the door and you are stuck staring at it, no matter how mad you get, you ain't gonna be able to open it. So God simply says, just wait for me. Just hold on a Minute. let me let me speak to you let me talk to you for a minute let me let me show you the way you ought to go let me tell you the job you ought to choose the people you need to say bye to the season you need to pray for the places that you need to go but you don't get it if you never wait God uses divine closed doors that he might give you divine instruction. But he gives us this divine dis- instruction for a discerned response. God talks like my mama. My mama would say, I ain't speaking for my health. And when the Lord actually speaks, be it in the sermon, be it when you crack that text open, be it when you're down on your knees and the Holy Ghost drop a thought. When he speaks, it ain't just for frills and thrills. It it is for you to discern it and for you to respond. Note it, when they get there, they see this vision and immediately, verse 10a tells us, they sought to go to Macedonia. Why? Because they concluded that God had called them there. In other words, they knew they moved, but they didn't just move, they discerned and then they moved. They they discerned God's direction. By by discern, I mean they they used some available means to determine that this wasn't because they ate something that didn't agree with them, but it was indeed God who was speaking and they they made a move. They, They had this vision and it was from this vision that they concluded. They pulled together the evidence to draw a conclusion that the Holy Ghost had indeed spoken. Paul was sensitive enough to sense God speaking. We know from the text that the Lord was speaking because the Holy Ghost wouldn't let him go. The Spirit of Jesus wouldn't permit. But he was sensitive enough to know that the vision actually came from God. Let me put a parenthetical there. Some of us, God is trying to pull you into places where your spiritual eyes are sensitive to how God is moving. And some of us allow ourselves to be dulled by dumb decisions, by sin that hampers us, to keep us dulled from when God is speaking. But God wants to put you in a place where you are able to put the evidence together to see his steps behind you and to discern that he's speaking, but he doesn't leave you there by your own subjective self. Note the plurality in the text. He told them, and then they knew, and they made efforts concluding. In other words, God had a community around Paul who was able to help them to discern what God was saying. This is the reason why you need to cut your dumb friends. I I didn't mean to say it, but I got to say it. your your friends who who don't think nothing about what God thinks. They, They are more influenced by what Instagram tells them, more influenced by what CNN and Fox News tell them. You need some friends that got some Holy Ghost in them. Yeah, that, that know God just a little bit better than you. So when you are trying to discern what God is saying, you got some spiritually mature friends to pull up on. You You got some people to say, hey, I'm talking to you about something that God is saying, but I, I'm not certain if it's him. And guess what they'll tell you? They'll either tell you you crazy or they'll tell you God is speaking. You, you, you need people that ain't going to hold you back from what God is saying, but, but are going to try to point you down the road to where God is leading you. E- even if that road hurts, even if that road leaves you in destitution, even if that road leads you in a hard place, you need friends that will help you discern it. But watch it. They discern it, and they didn't sit on it. Now, this ain't, this ain't a progressive thing. These are my Pentecostal friends who... They love that new word from God. Chris, they love to hear the Lord speak, and they got prophets who prophesy all over them, and they don't do a lick about what God told them to do. When God shows a path, it ain't just to show you, it's to call you down it. Let me take it this way. There are some of us God has already shown you the path. There, there are some of you, God has made it evidently clear to you. And you still sitting there trying to add two plus two to figure out your plan B. And God is saying, I ain't giving you a plan B till you take step A. Because when God gives you divine instructions, he is calling on you to make a discerned response. And, and let me tell you, noted in the text, that, that as God is speaking, Luke doesn't say they waited six days. They, they immediately began to make, make moves because when God begins to open that door, you only got one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. That, that when God moves that thing, you, you don't have forever to make a decision. You got to sometimes just jump. Everybody who's ever ridden on a train, before it knows that you don't don't have time in a city like New York or Chicago to wait 10 minutes to decide if you're going to get on that train or not. When that train pulls up and opens its door, you got a few minutes to determine, am I going to get on this train? or am I not going to get on this train? Here, friends, there are some open doors that God presents to you that don't stay open forever. There are some doors that God drops on your seat, and God says you can twiddle your thumbs so the cows come home, but you can watch that opportunity walk on away from you when God has made that thing clear, when the sermon begins to move you right, when the Holy Ghost begins to move in your shando and you know it's him, when your friends are pointing forward saying, This is God speaking. You only got one shot. Do not miss it. Jump. You've got to jump fast. When God is opening that door, you got to take that thing. You got to grab it and say, Lord, I may not know the next steps. I may not know what sits around the corner, but I believe deep in my knower that you have spoken a divine instruction and you're going to get a divine act out of me. It was a few years ago, Reverend Leroy that my wife decided to spruce up my backyard. She wanted to get a Russian sage. I, I really didn't care. I didn't really care at all. You know, hey, she want to do it, she can do it. She bought this Russian sage. And those who are familiar with it, it, it actually is like the pole man's lavender. It looks like lavender, a bushel of purple lavender. And, and, and after she planted, it, it began to bloom. And I ain't going to lie, I ain't going to hold you. It actually looked really nice. But I watched as the summer turned to fall, and the fall rushed to November, and by December, the whole Russian sage was dead. By the time the next warm season began to come around, I told Kelly, this thing is a waste of space. So I went in the garage, and I got my shovel and just as I was about to dig deep into the ground to uproot that ugly thing, Kelly screams, Wait, 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 don't do it. Because Watson, to your eyes, it may be dead to you. But there are roots somewhere working beneath the surface that's gonna bring that thing back to life. This is the question I got for you. What do you do when you have already eulogized your closed door? What? Do you do when God has allowed that thing to slam in your face? What? Do you say to God when God ain't opening that door? What do you do when frustrations become your bed, fellow? Look on back to Jesus. God saw that there was a door that was closed before us where it looked hopeless for us. We were barred out of access and the presence of God. And God said, I know you see that closed door, but he began to weave a crimson thread throughout all of time. And just at the right moment, In God's timing, God opened up heaven's door, and he gave us Jesus, and God gave us that Jesus who at the right time took a cross upon his back. It was not a cross that was made by him and for him. It was a cross made for you, by you, and Jesus hung there on that cross while God allowed the doors to slam shut in Jesus' face as he breathed his last breath On that cross, Jesus knew that when that door would close, heaven's door would open for you. And one day Jesus would get up out of a grave so that you and I could have an open door to Jesus just then. It was in that moment at that time that God opened a door for us. Well, if God can open a door for us on Calvary, what doors can God open in your life? You might be sitting here mad, you might be sitting here with a broken heart. You might be sitting here with tears filled in your eyes and a perplexed soul, but if God can raise a dead Jesus and provide an open door, what can God do to your closed doors? Yeah, it may seem like that marriage might be over, but God is a God of an open door. Yeah, you might be lost in the depth of that season, but God is a God who opens doors, but you need to wait as he opens that door. Uh Uh-huh. You need to sit there some times until he opens that door. You need to pray sometimes as he opens that door. Wait upon the Lord until he opens that door. Why? Because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and never faint. They that wait upon the Lord will see God do a good thing in you. You can stand there at that closed door mad. You can stand there at that closed door with doubts, but wait on God to open that door for you. And God can do that thing too. You can move forward from a closed door. Closed doors don't mean the end of your life. It just means the end of a season. But you serve a God who closes doors and he opens doors. But you got to have the heart to say, Lord, I'll wait on you. Lord, I I ain't gonna try to fix this thing myself. I ain't going to try to make this thing happen myself. I'm not going to call my friends to put together some stuff. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to pray, Lord. I'm going to sit in your presence, Lord. I'm going to dive deep in your word, Lord. I'm going to keep on serving. I'm going to keep on giving. I'm going to keep on serving up because I know that in your own time and in your own desires, you will show up and turn that clothes door into an open door. Is there anybody in the room who has ever seen God open a door? I wish I had about four folk who could say that God is a God of an open door, that even when it seems like that thing is done, God has a way of opening that door. God can open that door if you wait on him. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message by Dr. Charlie Dates, senior pastor of the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago. For more information about our church, visit ProgressiveChicago.org. Progress is yours through the Gospel of Jesus Christ.